just, we'll just, sorry. This you is were the doing what I yeah, said. Yeah, so we I will shut up right now. This Back is the. Oh, so sorry. This is. Oh no. Guys, I've got to. I've got to head off. Oh, I'm so sorry. So this is ironically the fifth attempt at the second intro <laughs> to our second part of this reflect. So we've we've split this in two. This is the um, the second part because it was such a long reflect with so many wonderful questions uh, that we have made it into two parts. So yeah, this is us discussing season three, the podcast as a whole, and some other random questions that have been thrown in. Please enjoy this this next selection of wonderful Q and A's. Varax asks, Now that Team Helsing is defeated, is Capricorp still going to pose much of a threat? Will their role in the story revert back to Ooh. that of the original malevolent corporate identity? Or do you think they'll be co-opted into phrase schemes despite the direct mm. threat the extreme balls pose to poker powers? Capricorp is a bit of a we do what we we can I they, love Capricorp. We can fit them in wherever yeah, we need them. They can go to, wherever really. they want. Capricorp <clears throat> is great because as as Varax has very correctly identified, they are just a malevolent corporate entity. They can you know, they fit wherever there's money to be made, um, which is great because they don't really have ideals that, that need to be stuck on a strict path. Um, I think I think Capricorp's best thing is that they kind of justify Frey. That's, for me, like, yeah, their attitude yeah. towards poker, yeah. poker powers, like helping and Team Helsing yeah, yeah. and doing these extreme ball modifications. Like, they give Frey... Like, Frey's motives aren't bad it's just her actions in doing them that are uh, yeah, like are extreme she, mm. she just wants equality and poker powers to be good she, uh, life to be good for them but she's going about it in a so way, she claims a so um, she well claims. so she claims sorry i've well. seen a man turn into a zororic not two episodes ago <laughs> so i'm i'm not buying anything i'm not okay buying I'll, anything say th- I'll say says. this tom Frey's motives aren't that different to kenny's it's just her actions. Sure. Yes. Well, that's that's what's that's what's fun about Frey yeah. is that she is a foil to Kenny in in that they're they're quite similar but but different. But you also um, feel like you also feel like if Frey offered Capricorp enough money or some financial gain <laughs> to being on the side of Poker Powers, then you have to imagine prob- they'd switch. They'd like probably that. switch. Yeah. They'd probably yeah. just be, look if the wind the wind works this way, then yeah. Maybe I think Capricorp is, but... at the moment are still. They, well, they're still developing extreme balls. Obviously, Helsing had had joined with Capricorp and were developing these X extreme balls, which were to develop um, to capture poker powers. But I think I think we kind of agreed that Brandy had destroyed that stock in Shine's yeah, lab. Yeah. The didn't X we? extreme balls now are done. So I think the X extreme ball plot, which was tied to Helsing, is kind of finished. But the extreme balls, which are still capturing Pokemon, and as we learned in that Tyler and Kappa scene, can still be turned into some kind of weird corporate Pokemon army. That's still very much live, and it's going to be interesting to see in season four because I think Capricorp are sort of still aligned with the league, even without that Helsing element. Mm. So how the Pokemon League and Capricorp are going to kind of respond to the Mystic threat, especially knowing that they have the the chance to command this unwilling Pokemon army captured by the entire region. Beth asks, I've thought of the most 
vital question. Ooh. Ali, will we be getting more Amy cameos in season four? Oh, I hope so. I, w- I really wish we could, but her, I mean, she is yeah, so she pricey. Her rider as well. It's lot, just insane. It's insane. Her demands, demands. She wants her own dressing room. And I'm like, I am doing this at our spare room, Amy. You, like, Ali has to buy a, buy the house. You bought a whole house. It's <laughs> the only way she would she would do it. She was like, "Well, we need to live in a in a in a shared space." Her agent fees are quite high, so like. Yeah, but look, I've got to make a, a living lot. as well, guys. Like, come on. In answer, don't know. Probably, maybe. Probably. I'd quite like an Ian cameo, like personally. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, guys, where are, where are your other halves? Like, stick well, them in every now and then. People love it. <laughs> eh? Okay, if there's a if there's a chance. Get Finn on. Get Finn, Finn on. Stu. Finn would be a good one. But then we'd have to we'd have to acknowledge the fact that like two year olds exist in our world. And then, well, I don't Barb think anyone's younger exist. than ten. I don't Barb, know. Um, oh, maybe. Could um, you capture the nuance of Fab though? That's the question. Yeah, that's. The, and, and Beth also asks, "How did we all feel about doing the vignettes in the first episode of Submission? Is that something we would do in another episode?" Um, they I were sort of, great, but they were quite hard work. They were quite hard work, and <laughs> yeah. I think the reason we were kind of we kind of backed ourselves into cor- a corner to doing them because we just said, "Insert like battle stuff here." And we were so <laughs> stupid in the episode. In the live episode, we were just like, right, okay, so then we'll cut to this cool scene from the battle and then we'll, yeah, great, moving on. And did not yep. for a second think of the editor, think of people having to write them, think of people having to record. Like, it was, for me, I edited that episode and it was the hardest edit I've had to do and I would never want to repeat it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were to do vignettes again, we probably all wouldn't do a vignette in the same episode or we'd plan it way more in advance yes. At, like we'd actually say in the episode like okay ali is gonna do a vignette for this bit here or have it prepped for the record or have it prepped to, for the actual for later. like beth asks david with theo's emotional breakthrough with mrs s during the last arc how did that affect their interactions mm. with the other characters did it affect their feelings and how they expressed themselves during the arc that's an interesting question. I it was it was weird doing that scene because I feel like it's really hard to know like how communicative like one of our characters should be about all of their like deep seated feelings. I don't th- I don't think a it affected the relationship with other characters hugely because Theo's plot during submission was effectively just with N and S for the rest of the arc. Like Theo doesn't really interact around Kenny until really even even in the conflict like we're all still relatively separate. It was interesting to realize it was it, as as an actor. It was weird going through that moment of being like, "Ha! Huh, I feel like Theo's had a real breakthrough. Great, Theo is now like emotionally mature. What a wonderful time! Lovely, lovely." Um, but actually, like that finale allowed me to find that actually Theo still hurts people and keep them away from them. And I think that the question of like going through therapy, you have great breakthroughs, and then life throws something really for you, and then you revert and you go back a few steps and you try and figure out what the new circumstances mean with things that you learned about yourself a year ago. Not a journey that Theo has reached the end of at all. I'm most intrigued about Theo's emotional journey going forward. I'm intrigued about all the characters. Well, but... Thanks to you. Yeah, I was about to say, well, okay, no. cool. Brandy, no, I get I, it. I get it. I, I feel like Brandy and Kenny are much more surface level with their emotions. Oh, again, um, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Ali. No, 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 as in, as well, in, like, we, we are a lot, like, Kenny is, like, Brandy is quick to anger. Kenny is, like, empathetic and stuff. Theo has always been a bit less predictable. It's always harder to scratch that particular scratch and sniff. Brandy's got stuff going whiff. on. You know, oh. you just, Tom, you know, she's, Tom, she's got a journal. I just, I just, I just... I had I know I know Tom you're a great actor with a wonderful character <laughs> quick, quick 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 bring him back, Ali, what bring you bring him back 
quick. This is why you gave up on that character for an entire episode. The best episode four yet. I'm only proceeding on good faith currently <laughs> while the contract negotiations are ongoing. Ali, Beth asked this question to you about your conversation, Kenny's conversation with Hannah, and whether that affected your Kenny's dealings with the other characters in the rest of the arc, and whether it changed the way Kenny approached the situation with the poker-powered people. Um, that was the uh, one of the biggest moments for Kenny in the whole arc, his scene with Hannah. Up until, I think, the scenes with Barry and Frey, because that scene with Hannah was essentially the scene that I, Ali, thought I would have with Brandy. And I, I loved that it happened with Hannah because, like, as an actor, I knew that, like, this scene with Tallahassee, this reveal that Brandy, you know, hired Tallahassee, would eventually come up. Like, I'm, I was like, I'm sure it would. So I kind of sub subconsciously thought, okay, well, how would Kenny react in the moment, blah, 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 blah. But then that was completely thrown out because this Hannah thing came up instead. And like, it was much more kind of genuine how Kenny would actually respond at that time. And I think, I don't think he would have responded to the Tallahassee reveal of, you know, Brandy hiring them without that scene with Hannah. He would have responded very differently. He might have been a lot more upset. He might have even gone with Frey if that hadn't have happened because he would have been so disappointed and sad about Brandy. But instead... He kind of had that, this is someone that I care about who doesn't fully trust me and, and is still scared of me. And no matter what I do, that will possibly always happen. And there's nothing that I can do or say that will change that in the immediacy. And coming from Hannah, who Kenny had had that kind of almost old, older brother relationship with, more so mm -hmm. with Hannah than with like anyone else aside, outside of his actual family, um, was I think even more poignant. Um, That's so interesting. I hadn't even really clocked that actually Dora, you know, Hannah is probably the same age as Dora. Like Dora substitute. Like, yeah, it's actually yeah. quite yeah, interesting. She totally is. She's about mm. the same age. She's probably, I would say she's similar, similar look. personality. Yeah. Um, she doesn't, Dora Wait. doesn't have a lisp. That's Hannah, the one thing we've Hannah established Dora about confirmed. Dora. confirmed. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Kenny would respond quite badly to Brandy's sort of betrayal, but that's a strong word, but you know what I mean. But instead, he was kind of prepared for it because he'd already decided, look, I'm going to live in the middle now. My my decisions that I think are right aren't always right. And I have mm. to live with those consequences. And so so does Brandy. So does everyone. There's, there's gray sides to every. Everything's a shade of gray. Nothing's black and white. Whereas maybe he wasn't at that point before mm. the Hannah scene. Up until that point, he'd been very much like, I'm just going to do the next right thing, the next right thing, blah, blah, blah. This is easy because I'm doing what I think is right. And then he but was what's right for you is not right for everyone. Exactly. Uh, that was, I love that. I love that development throughout the season, Ali, of your, your kind of, you, you came up with this dogma, the next right thing, I think at the start of Cosmic Power or something, and shared that with Hannah and then continued that through until it was questioned so much that you had to just abandon it. And it showed like a yeah. real... Well, it showed a real depth to Kenny that he's 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 trying, but his ideals are being questioned at all times and he's having to adjust and work out his place in the world and how to act in it. And Beth asks me, given Brandy's confidence hit 
and her reliance on Tallahassee this season, how do you think that affected her choices? Do you think it affected how the last couple of episodes played out in regards to those choices? And I would say yes. Uh, we sort of start the season, certainly in season three with Brandy, feeling very unconfident and unsure. And Tallahassee, she used very much as a crutch um, to give her that confidence. So she wanted to have her cake and eat it too. Like, oh yeah, I trust Kenny, but I also have a backup plan. I also don't trust Kenny fully to not have Tallahassee there to sort it out if Kenny loses their thing. So as soon as the Tallahassee <laughs> reveal happens and suddenly that's all gone and taken away from her and her, you know, suddenly the crutch is gone and she doesn't think she can make any choices anymore. She doesn't think she can do anything anymore. She's lost all all form of like fake confidence she had. And I think just more proof that she doesn't have that self-confidence yet to feel that she is capable without having someone or something there, whether that's Gary, whether that is Tallahassee Bingeworth or, you know, whether that is Kenny and Theo. And Beth asks Stu, you threw some really difficult choices out to the trio, especially in the last two episodes. Uh, how do you think the choices the players made shaped how the arc became? Do you think the arc would have ended in a similar way, even without the fails due to the choices um, or would it have been different? My job, my job is just to give the players choices. That's like the entirety of, of, of what I do. And then their response to it then results in a role. A lot of what happened to Brandy was definitely a resultant of roles and she was really struggling to catch a break and she was really struggling to involve herself in the plot i think because of those those fails like there were so many times where brandy tried to get into the mecca join the fight try and help uh help jockey and it she just kept getting knocked back 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 but then what was really interesting is that tom used that and then brandy's final moment was about her lack of involvement and that became her emotional hit which i thought was well, I thought it was fantastic from Tom, but really interesting use mm. of the. Famous. You hear that, folks? Hear that? They've they've trashed my character down. Now trying to get me back on side. Look at this, and it's working. It's working. Don't oh. get me wrong. I am a shallow man. Surface level. Brandy isn't surface level, but Tom is. Interesting in terms of Theo and Kenny, I feel like they had choices which were a little bit more like, "Hey, this is a choice, and you've kind of just got to decide what you do." Uh, Kenny's being, "Hey, I've shown you." what what Frey interprets as duplicitous behaviour from your comrades. How do you feel after that? And do you want to join me, someone who has your best interests at heart? Kenny was like, no. Which then led to the Thea decision, which was, do you give up the tome or do you not? And I sort of felt like the the result of that decision had to be one or the other. It couldn't have been okay, you decide to give up the tome, but Theo, do a roll to see if actually you sneakily do get to keep the tome because that would have just <laughs> felt really mm. like empty and the choice didn't mm. really matter. So I think with those, it had to be just like, you make a decision here, Theo, and what you say goes, and then we roll with that. Beth asks, finally, for a cheery note, do you guys have a favourite joke? From the podcast or just in general? Uh, just, just, just general, I guess. Could be from the podcast if you want. Um, okay. Uh, Jenny, Jenny keeps trying to kick me out of the house because of my bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions. But don't worry, I'll return. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> That's quite, I quite like that. <laughs> Thank you.
Jeremby asks, what's your favourite little piece of headcanon lore a fan has come up with? Um, I know mine. Mine is one that Jeremby's come up with, or I think Glaren as well, about Adri Fomonsk being the King's Rock. Um, oh, okay. yeah, wow! That yeah. would be that's my favorite thing that I just kind of think is is the like just spending their whole time. I mean, I could work? I could buy Theo being the King's Rock absolutely just out of you know what is their obsession with the King's Rock? Why well, I have to find it because it's them. But like the idea it's Adri Fomonsk is just much funnier. <laughs> that just, is hilarious. It's just so much funnier. The Zoroark being Jay Silver. There was some sort of most suggesting like Jay Silver was somehow Ooh. connected to everybody else. Like Alahaska oh, and Jay like Silver. Like a sort of the Delio person. the Celio style. Oh, God. Yes. Was a human. Became yeah, there was some kind some... of like. Yeah. Hey, it's all to play for, lads. Any of these theories, we could just nick. It could, could be spoilers. Take them. Could, could, we could be reading these theories and going, yep, that's in. That's Taken. it. That's the Yoinked. answer right there. I was just saying there's a lot of theories about um, Kenny's poker powered Pokemon that I think are. Uh, are great and uh, i've logged them all and we'll be choosing the best one at the most appropriate time <laughs> please oh. send your submissions to critical gmail.com uh, just tweet me actually we that need would be them. much simpler <laughs> need them all. i need them all maybe we should put, i don't know maybe we should do a bidding war like if you pay enough money to the patreon we'll go with that theory your theory is now correct <laughs> your theory is now <laughs> mainly correct ellie asks ellie our marketing manager extraordinaire asks um if the sofloxels were disney princesses which ones would they be and why I have. I feel like I've got two options for Brandy, and I'm not sure which mm. ones to go for. I'm either thinking she's Meg from Hercules. Um, okay. Oh, that's a good job. It, but that feels like quite plotty. Or she's maybe like Mulan. Like there's quite, you know the fighter instinct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling yeah. like she's mm. constantly trying to prove herself. I see Kenny as very much like an Elsa. Well, I was tempted oh, to say Elsa. I mean, maybe that's too powers. obvious. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking powers. possibly Rapunzel because she's slightly magical as well. And also that like, ah, the world, like naivety to the world. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theo? Belle? Belle's very bookish. Belle is pretty bookish. And also yeah. not yeah, understood it's... by... Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I do. I mean, as much as I love Esmeralda, I'm going to go with Belle. I think Belle's a really strong shout, actually. I was thinking for a bit Maid Marion from Robin Hood and then I was like, that's not a Disney princess, that's just a female fox. Just a female, <laughs> female fox, <laughs> which to be honest, very Theo. Ginny asks, um, what's the difference between acting on stage and doing the pod? Have you done improv in the theatre? What's the difference there? This can be edited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we remove all the bad improv. <laughs> if, we do, if we do a bad season four, episode one, we can delete it and yeah. start again. Um, well, I think that one of the things I find so difficult about doing this in comparison to improv is that when you do improv on stage, everyone understands the fundamental principle of yes and, but dice don't understand yes and. That is the most <laughs> annoying thing, is that effectively the dice are the one person who goes in the final 50 minutes of the show... And I've got a subplot. And you're like, no, no, why don't you understand? We're in the fight. Like, why don't you get it? Like, the dice is the person who doesn't get improv. And that's the most infuriating thing, is that when you think we've all perfectly woven a moment, the dice <laughs> just absolutely it unravels it. Well, I, I see the, I I see the dice that... more as, as the annoying audience shout-outs that you have to incorporate. It's like they're the, the dice are the additional challenge that someone's gone like, um, do it in the style of Tom Jones, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, guess. But I think that's interesting. And the, the difference know. of why I think sometimes, as, as you said, we can edit the podcast. So that's a huge, huge help to be able to 
if you want to cut things that don't work or whatever. But the thing about the doing something on stage is that you get an immediate audience reaction where you're like, mm, okay, mm. that choice hasn't worked out. We can, we can steer it this way. Yeah. We have to fully edit an episode, put it out. And then we haven't done it yet, but we could edit an episode, put it out. And there's just a huge backlash, huge outrage. Adri, the King's rock. We're like, Oh, well that's the decision we made. And that's kind of, we're now, we've now recorded five episodes on Post top that. of that. So yeah. like, we we sort of have to plow on it's very it's kind of freeing in a way that you're like look this is the podcast that we are doing as a four and it's our choices and we are kind of going to plow on and get to the end are you happy about that if you're in a show no it's like a real struggle well (laughs) as as very much a people pleaser i like the idea of turning looking directly at the audience going this okay yeah we good if you're on stage the audience is so much more forgiving Yes, it, exactly what I was going to say. Pre-recorded. If something goes wrong, yeah, pe- people kind of go they're like, they're on board with oh, it. Oh, there it they're is. They don't know it. what to do. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Whereas I mean, there's, we don't... there's elements of that in recording where, you know, you hear someone struggling to come up with something and that is, it's still funny to hear it post the post the event. But I think when you're in the room and part of that indecision and part of their discomfort, then it's immediately more gratifying as the audience because you are you're the thing that's causing them discomfort and therefore it's more funny. (laughs) As an improviser, I've always found that like my niche is that like, I'm not necessarily the principal character, but I'm the engine of plot and the engine of structure. Like that was very much what I felt my role was when I did like the improv musical with you, Stu and with other people. It was very much like my thing is that like, we will get to act two within 20 minutes (laughs) and then we will get, like we will have a call to action at the end of the first song. And then we will have those characters explore that call to action. And then by the end of the musical, all of the characters will have wrapped up their plot. And that's what I do. And being able to sort of do that meta narrative, but that is not necessarily a good role to have in an improv podcast with dice and with all of the other things that play that role like you still want to be the person that can help like move things along but there but I like I think my most frustrating times and the times that I've had to like challenge myself are the moments where the dice get in the way of me feeling like we're so close to a moment uh and there's something that's just about to happen and then it gets scuppered and that's really hard for me as somebody who loves the engine of a plot line and narrative and character development and things that are far more traditional that I think improves my ability to then explore like chaotic decisions that people make because people make chaotic decisions all the time. What's interesting as well about doing a podcast like this one where there is no real end point, we could go and go and go and go. So actually there is room to explore those chaotic character moments or those character moments where you're like, this isn't going to be resolved for a while. Like well, I mean, we're, just... we're, we're, we're going to catch them all, right? Uh, we're obviously going to catch them all. <laughs> That's when it's over. Yeah. All 900. Yeah. All and we've currently 900. got what? And then, but, but then you also have to marry it. You have to marry it with the idea that we're doing like a one hour episode. So like you want that episode in itself to have some form of, I don't know, something that's satisfying or interesting or changes things or challenges someone rather than just great characters you love fast talking and, you know, getting coffee and, you know, (laughs) jabbering about the general world. Like you have to have think you have to think in the small of like, this is our what is this episode doing? Yeah. And then also as the general whole of like, well, then the slightly bigger hole, what's this arc about? Slightly bigger hole, what's the season about? And then the even bigger hole of like, What's the whole storyline? So that's what's weird is the circles that you're kind of having to operate in. 
all the time. It's interesting that we we sort of started season three. It was the first season where we really tried to like think about all the things we had to wrap up. Like we were thinking about all these different like spinning plates and how we were going to do it. And there were moments during Rockslide where I was like, I cannot fathom. <laughs> I cannot fathom <laughs> how we have thing. got here. But we do it. We at Rock, <laughs> yeah, do it. Rockslide gives I, me faith because I will go back and I, re- I revisit Rockslide and where we were at at Rockslide and the amount of time we spent with Tallahassee and his massive hat in the bushes. And I go... Right, okay, if we can get from there to the end of season three, then we've got nothing to worry about. However season four starts, we will find our path, we'll find our way. Dark Holson says, as this is an interesting question from Dark Holson, considering how emotional some of the sessions get, what safety tools do you use to make sure that everyone is okay mental health-wise? And I would say it's not necessarily tools, like there's no specific button. We did, we've mentioned before that we no. previously pitched the, you know, using the X cards. Which, which I think is great if you're playing with people you're unfamiliar with hugely yeah we we implicitly trust each other and know each yeah, other inside out i think really the, the, the fact that we have over a decade of friendship and relationship with all of us that there's there's some things that that are implied and some things that we feel we could bring up in a way that maybe you wouldn't be able to call someone out or anything in a, a game between people you've met recently and also i think one of the biggest tools that we use for this and well-being generally is that we always make sure that the podcast fits around everyone's general life schedules and things so we make sure that no one comes to a session feeling like oh i've i've had to you know cancel on someone or like oh i i know i need to do this cuz so then you're in a mental headspace where you might feel like off balance and you might yeah, then say something yeah. that you're like oh why did i because i'm just annoyed so we try and make sure that anytime we do a session of the podcast it does for the majority the... suit it's very true that we fit it around our lives in the sense that like i don't find the emotional debt we plumb on this podcast anything other than therapeutic but mm. like most of season three we recorded whilst i was going through like most horrendous redundancy process at Condé Nast and it was like it it took every single fiber of my being it was heinous but coming to this like if I was having like a really difficult time with that I knew that I could just take a back seat and there were three other people here and I could be more reactive and god I think the worst week of the entire redundancy process was the brandy bottle episode it's like yes (laughs) and I feel exactly the same way and like if someone was to say or I I would always feel like if I really just needed to not do a session i could of course say that and i wouldn't we've all had to asked if we can reschedule at various points i mean we're doing it for what nearly three years yeah and and we 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 were very lucky in the pandemic that we had all that time to uh to do it and as i say i think it was all it was therapeutic for all of us but yes i'd say in terms of dark holson's question um we don't we don't have many specific tools in place mainly due to the relationships we already have and the, mm. the level of comfort that we have with each other in order to talk about these things. And if, if a, a subject is broached that might that might touch something uncomfortable or whatever, I, I, I feel that a, any one of us could bring that up and challenge it in the moment. Except for Barnaby Tims. That is, that is a no-go 
area. What we can't have Barnaby Tims? No, okay. as in we have okay. to have. Sorry, Barnaby guys. Tims. And if no, anyone, and there's a lot of chat about you know sometimes <laughs> saying maybe Barnaby Tims isn't in this one, and I I have to Tom just be for five minutes. We I edit say, that no, out. Of Barnaby it, Tims so. is here. Jeremby asks, Stu, how long have you been planning the Adri fail for? Did you have any other ideas that you didn't end up going? Oh, going the, with uh, for that the, fail. The Adri fail. I I definitely didn't have a, a definite idea of what it was going to be for the longest time. I knew it was going to be tied to something happening on the ship, but it, it honestly could have been anything for the longest time. And it was only really when we got to the very very end, the the, the finale, where I knew how things had played out in the in the prison, that suddenly a loose end presented itself, which was okay. So how did Frey? Because I think we implied that Tallahassee set up the portal in the shadowy corner on this end, but how did how did Frey get in the other end? She doesn't necessarily have church knowledge, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh wait a second, wait yeah. a second. So then we did this post-credit scene where the 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 implied betrayal by Adri was 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 brought through, and I was like, that is the perfect manifestation of that Theo fail which is that um, Adri, an already conflicted character who, you know, even going back to the by discussions that, that were had with Theo, where Adri was questioning Theo and questioning why Theo was chasing this. And, you know, Adri was the one with the King's Rock dissertation. Adri is the one who was constantly belittled. Adri is the one swimming in memos. Adri is the one who Theo puts down at every possible opportunity. They have the ammunition to do this i'm sure we will explore it more in season four i adri is now definitely the the npc that i'm most intrigued by but that that level of complication in their character and it coming out in this way because of one fail that theo made two arcs ago was perfect not planned but made total sense with the situation that played out in the narrative and therefore was was the the one that absolutely made sense to incorporate and jeremby asks david adding on to this how did you react to the adri fail what did you think especially since theo and adri have had several scenes together this season where adri seems to have been trying to act nicer towards theo possibly trying to fix their friendship i think what was more interesting for me the fact that like we don't do many fails that aren't a direct fail so when Stu decided to do like a like a longitudinal fail, like I was just like, oh my god, this is a this is a new frontier for us to explore. <laughs> like it was so, doing that scene in Cosmic Power mm -hmm. was so terrifyingly brief and so terrifyingly vague. Whatever happens, I I can't control this anymore. But it made complete sense. I do feel like the whole like Adrio relationship has been has been like more developed, has been more nuanced, has been more interesting as we've gone even just the stuff with samantha threw up some interesting developments in like who they are as people need to go back and listen to that ad recall again because suddenly i i would imagine it's sort of laced with this guilt of like what's about to happen and the whole like i i've really enjoyed working together it, there is a finality to that adri is saying that because there's a flag that something's going to happen to adri where actually you revisit it and it's like no no adri knows what's going to happen to everyone else
Ginny asks, are there any fun alternative universes you'd like to imagine your character in and what that would look like? Think coffee shop, AUs, wrestling, knights, pop stars, mafioso. I'd quite like to see the three Sifloatsals actually trying to run a franchise Capricorn Pokemart, like <laughs> take over Whiskey's Delios and actually have the day-to-day of like running a shop together. I kind of want to see a sports anime of the Pokalethic Games. Oh, and that's a great, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Jeremy asks, Tom, if you hadn't horrendously failed at rolling using that mech, what was the plan? <laughs> I don't think there was a plan. That's going to be a lot of credit. I think the plan was to vault tackle and win. And sadly, it <laughs> didn't go that way. So we are now on to the final set of questions from wow, Zander. we've done well. That we've done well. emailed in. Uh, this has been a bit of a long one. But, you know, season three deserved it. It's been a great great season yeah and there's been a lot of questions about it so Xander asks what is your favorite thing about your character and for Stu what's your favorite thing about your favorite character NPC who is your favorite NPC Stu that's a big Uh, question actually that's I think is it Adri is it Phillips (laughs) I'm always going to have a lot of love for Phillips but in terms of I think it's a toss-up at the moment between Adri and Hannah Hannah's mm. mine. I love Hannah. Hannah. Hannah's definitely risen to the top in season three since her reintroduction, mainly because she had she had these wonderful scenes with Kenny, her trying to interact with the basketball players during Spatial Rend. Like she's by all accounts cute, funny, determined, and also a little bit tragic. And she's <laughs> she's fantastic. But then Adri, I think I'm more excited about Adri's potential, and Hannah is my favourite currently. Yeah. I love Kenny's whimsy and how that is um, that can manifest itself whenever we need it to (laughs) kenny doesn't feel the sort of weight of significance that um i think brandy and theo want him to have and this comes up at the start of season four i think kenny approaches life in a way that i wish i did sometimes think the best of people be empathetic um, and to be grateful for what you have my favourite thing about Brandy is her ruler sword. Yep. I really love right. that. Good. Um, David? Cool. Um, I think my thing about Theo on sort of like a general basis is the fact that Theo is like a red-blooded queer person, like a Jack Harkness character. Like Theo would not sleep with everything that moves, but Theo has a libido. And I think <laughs> that that is actually like quite rare in sort of queer and non-binary representation in general is like a character who just like forms sexual and romantic bonds with people in quite a just normal, healthy, lusty way. Far more an anime Sailor Mars than a manga Sailor Mars is what I will say. <laughs> and I think that I'm also really enjoying the fact that the this journey of like, what if I'm not the protagonist? Because I think that that's a journey we all go, particularly as we sort of hit into my 30s. I'm a bit like, what if I'm not the main cat? And I think that that's like, a, <laughs> like such an interesting journey to have to sit with. And I'm really excited to go on that journey with Theo. Uh, I'd like to change mine for Brandy, actually. I, uh, really? My favorite, no. My favourite thing about Brandy so um, is her, her hair. Rack. Your favourite thing hair. is her rack? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's that. Well, at it's least that. the hair is actually growing out of her body as opposed to just an accessory. So I think yeah, that's, that's true. Upgrade. That's true. No, I think my favourite thing about Brandy is that she just doesn't suffer fools. I could just, she, she just can shout at people just quite... Like any silly old NPC Stu just throws. I don't have to, I'm not playing a character who's quite understanding. I think that's why I like a lack of understanding to other, towards other people. I love this question from Xander. Do you think the campaign will be over soon? <laughs> <laughs> or is it going to keep going? 
Just on looking like at the watch. Time. Is, there, is there much left? Are we How really done? <laughs> is there a way? Xander, I know what you mean. Uh, we think it's going to go on for one more arc. Is season. Sort of... Not an arc. A season. A season, sorry, yeah. But I mean, like, if you think we can squeeze it all into one arc, I was going to say that's, that's quick resolution there, Tom. But you know, cap us one... there, and then phrase there, and then they're all fighting. <laughs> it's and like... suddenly, Kenny, would you like to have a Garchomp? It's either like, it's Duke either it like, out. It's either like one or one or two, but most likely one, because season two was Team Nautilus, season three was Team Helsing, so you would imagine that season four is Team Mystic, and, you know, whether the league is and Capricorp turn out to be got We've got to reshape the system like, of the formula, haven't we? we we've really got to do. tear it down. We've really got to tear it's it down. It's broken. And Brady's got to take on the Pokemon League. For goodness sake. Well, exactly, there's that whole lot. We've only got one badge so far, so we'll do the next seven <laughs> badges. So if we're on that <laughs> How we've not done a tournament arc, <laughs> yeah, I truly just cannot. We tried just to mad. do one. We, we tried, tried so we, desperately. We, we yeah. did try. Frenzy Plant tried. <laughs> we have no idea what shape the podcast will take once we finish this story, we should say. We haven't decided yet. It will be a case of when we get there, we'll see. Still what too fits far away in my lives. head to even exactly. think about it. Yeah. And then the final question, which is quite a nice question, is what Pokemon games have you played? Oh. Put cards all on the them. table. Favorites Who's or, not or played just all black of them. and white? Go of on. I've played black and white. I'll tell you the. I'll, well, I'll, I'll do it by omission as opposed to what I have played because I've played them all except Sword and Shield. That is the only Pokemon game that I have Great not decision. even Great touched. Decision. I literally have, don't it's own my it. I've never one, played so it. It's not a good is decision. it really? Is it? It's no. Good. Okay. No, well, I'm I sorry. I enjoy. I had a good time. Great. Well, that's fantastic. It's just the one that I haven't. I haven't played. I haven't done a lot of the like remakes. Your, you know, your, your, your brilliant pearls or whatever. Oh, they well, that's are. true. I haven't done your brilliant greens. I haven't done brilliant sort of and pearl. I haven't played um, Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's genuinely That's actually really, really fun. great. That's a really good one. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, don't, I, played I don't all do of a the... lot of the spin-offs like Pokemon Snap and stuff like mm. that. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if they they counted. Yes. No, I haven't done those. Yeah, I've never done Ranger. I've never done uh, like Mystery Dungeon. I played all of the third versions until Black and White 2 because I was one of those people that just didn't get it. And so I missed Black and White 2 probably the most lauded of all time and then i miss it oh it's yeah. good i would really I recommend it really good i think really recommend that if you, if you, if you, that's one of, that's one of the, the remakes that i have done and it's just great that it's and just... yellow of course ah uh, yeah i can also yeah, yeah. i can also fly the flag for pokemon conquest i enjoyed pokemon conquest oh, pokemon conquest good okay. fire emblem and pokemon together like yes it does speak to me the end of oh, the reflect. An epic, wasn't it? An epic reflect, oh. but um, oh. lots of good questions, so thank you as always yeah, for the everyone. listeners. Lovely to see you guys, and I'll see you on Sunday. Did we do the actual ending, like the second ending? Or is there, yeah, is there, that is was, there That's kind of Oh, fine. That'll, that'll, we'll find a way to end that. So yes, I guess we'll try on Sunday if there's yeah. no building, if I can get the kids to bed. So just preempting in case there is well, you know what, issues. Stu, unfortunately, the podcast it does take priority. It as must we've continue. Yes, in the, absolutely. In the reflect. So. Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I understand. Oh no, God. That's, that's, that's totally fair enough. Oh Stu. guys. I also might be. I'm not even going to listen to Tom. Guys. Um, well, no, no. Tom can do his bit, but in a minute when we've actually the adults have stopped speaking. Oh, Ali, what were you saying? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah. I'm. I don't know where I'll be, but if I have to. <laughs> if Tom's. I have to Tom's just recreating the then. start of season four, episode one in the last episode. I think. 
Well, either that or if you imagine he's muted, he's doing like an 80s I think music he is video. Muted, isn't he? This is mime. It's this not is Tom's muted, this Mr. Mime. Could you do that face again, just one sec? And I'm just. Ah! <laughs> do it again, Tom. The <laughs> David, give us one. I've got, I've got nothing. I'm just enjoying the face. I'm just enjoying the face. <laughs> this is content we should be putting out on our socials. Well, but we're not. Uh, we can put the audio clip out, I guess. Or is Tom stopped? That would have stopped. no context. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's all right, guys. I did actually press the record button, so we're all fine. <laughs> <laughs>